Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. There it is again. That nudge, the flash of inspiration, an odd impression, a whispered word. Could there be a meaning to what you heard? A feeling, a caution, a rush of conviction, the hint of a hint of a radical vision, the swerve that avoided the head-on collision, the impulse, instinct, craziest dream. Is this all as random as it might have seemed? Or is there a thread, a purpose behind it all? How do you know? How can you tell? Is it wisdom? Is it a warning? Is it anything at all? A wake-up call, a smoke alarm, a friend with a needle track mark on her arm, the honk of a horn, the ring of a phone, the man with a sign that says broke and alone, a boulevard of bloodshot eyes. You know the look, you hear the sighs, powerful pull in the dead of the night to get up, to go out and set something right. Now hear this. The relentless tick of a clock, the rapid fire beat of your heart, the end over end acceleration of the years as they pass lightning fast. Amen. Knowing how God speaks to you can absolutely radically change how you live your life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, right? We're going to be looking at how God speaks to you because he doesn't often speak to us how we want him to. And we're going to look at the story of Elijah who was looking for God in so many different areas, but God was trying to reveal himself to Elijah in a more intimate and personal way. And the moment you realize how close God is to you, the moment you realize that God has always been there with you, the moment you realize that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, the moment that you realize that God is going to give you the strength you need to fulfill that purpose is the moment you'll begin to live as Elijah did. And you will cast out Jezebels, you'll destroy Goliaths, And that is what happens when you begin to listen to God's whisper in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 19. So you can begin turning there. But while you're turning there, we're going to be looking at a mountaintop experience. 
right? We're going to be looking at several different mountaintop experiences, actually. And we could say that Elijah, right, we could say that he probably got to witness the prime type of mountaintop experience in chapter 18, which we're going to talk about. But for me and my life, I always think about a time where I was on a mountain um, in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, if anyone's been to Hawaii, you know how beautiful Hawaii is, right? It's just everywhere you go, it's beautiful. But I remember, like, we were on a family vacation, and we decided to go hiking one day on this mountainside. And me being stupid and ignorant, I decided to go running along this mountainside and I slipped on some rocks, like these little rocks that are on the side of the mountain is this rocky top. And uh, next thing I know, I am sliding full speed down this hill to the edge of a cliff. And at the edge of the cliff is a 200 foot drop down to a bunch of rocks in the ocean, right? And I'm full speed going straight down towards the edge of this cliff. And by God's grace, I stopped right at the edge. Now, the reason why I share this is because there were times in your life where you are on a you are on the mountaintop, right, of life. You're on a mountaintop experience, but something is going to come in and it will overshadow the beauty you're surrounded by. This is hap- this happens all the time in our lives. And the truth is, the story gets even worse, right? So that was my experience, and this is our family vacation. We're trying to enjoy this beautiful day by God's grace. I'm still alive. God kept me alive. But we continued hiking, and my brother decided that he wanted to hop across these rocks. And as he was hopping across, he stepped on this one rock, and it was wet from the ocean. His foot slips out from under him. He gets in between the rock and twists his ankle, and he springs, and he has to be on crutches for the rest of the trip. And the reason why I share this is because in just a matter of moments, we are sitting here going, God is so great and beautiful. Look at this wonderful place. And then next thing we're like, man, I'm hurting. I almost died. Like this has all been overshadowed by some chaos. That's exactly what Elijah faces in this story. And to be honest, I know for you and your life, there is moments in your life that come in that will try to overshadow God's beauty and God's grace. It is going to do its most and it's going to try its hardest to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It's going to do everything it can to try to overshadow God's beauty. But the truth is, like I said, God has always been there with you. God has always been working in your life and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. The question is, are you going to lean in and listen or not? That's what we're going to look at. And so, so that happened in my life, but we'll look at Elijah, starting in verse 1 of 1 Kings, all right? Verse 1, verse one says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush. He sat under it and prayed that he might die. This is what he says. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than anyone, any of my ancestors, right? And there, this is so powerful because what are we looking at? We are looking at Elijah post Mount Carmel. What happens on Mount Carmel? One of the coolest, this is, uh, Mount Carmel is one of those scenes in scripture I wish I could witness, right? It is like the top of the top mountaintop experiences where you see Elijah going against 900 false God prophets, right? He's like, listen, I have the one true God in my life. What you worship is false. Let's go 
look, let's, let's challenge each other, all right? Let's see whose God will show up this day. So they build this big old altar, and Elijah's like, you go first. You try to get your God to respond and answer your cries, right? And so what do prophets of Baal do? They begin cutting themselves. They begin screaming. They begin wailing on the ground and doing all this crazy stuff. And this whole time, like, Elijah's planning, like, calm, cool, and collective. He's sitting at the side just watching him. And he, this is what I love about the story. He's sitting here going, where's your God? Is he off at the bathroom? I mean, it says this in scripture, right? Elijah's sitting here like, is your God like in the bathroom? Like he's not answering you. Oh, maybe he's on vacation, right? Maybe, he, maybe he's on vacation. Or, oh, maybe your God is sleeping. So if you cry harder and scream harder and cut yourself more, maybe then your God will respond, right? And it's just this like funny, bad, wicked, crazy experience. And Elijah's like, okay, stop making fools of yourself. I want you to build a ditch around this altar. I want you to put a ton of water in it. I want you to pour water all over this altar. And then he gets down on his knees and he prays for God to answer. And what does God do? God shows up in a powerful way. He blows up that altar, licks up all the water, and to the point to where all of the people could not help but say, that is the one true living God. That is the God that we shall worship, right? That's what Elijah just just experienced. He was on the mountaintop. But here we find him literally several verses later saying, I have had enough, Lord, Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. We just literally went from one of the coolest portions of scripture to now, Lord, I'm done. It's not even worth it. I want to give up. And that's because Elijah was looking for God in the wrong way. He was looking for the wind and and all this other stuff and the craziness, and we're going to get to that. But he was looking for God in all the wrong ways and areas. And, and, And so now, because he felt like he was letting God down, that nothing was changing, what was he left to do? Just have a pity party and send under a bush. Now, now here's the truth of the story. We're dealing with Jezebel. And, you know, there's two names you definitely don't name your children. The first name is Hitler. You don't name your, your son or your child Hitler. That's just, you don't do that. Why? Because Hitler is evil, he's wicked, and he just has that name-bearing wickedness with him. The second name is Jezebel. If you look up Miriam dictionaries for uh, the name Jezebel, it talks, it says it's an adulterous, wicked, evil woman, right? You just don't name someone Jezebel anymore. It's an insult to be called Jezebel. That is who Elijah is dealing with. He is dealing with a woman who basically came up with the term, you're a Jezebel, okay? And that's the wicked woman that he's facing. Now, when we talk about Jezebel today, I want you to know that I'm not gonna be talking about this woman, but she represents something in your life. Because what does she say to Elijah? She says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Meaning, she's saying, if I do not kill you like you killed one of my prophets by tomorrow, I want it to be done worse to me, right? So Jezebel represents everything in your life that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And I know there are so many things that try to do this, right? It's different for every single person because we have different sin inclinations. It could be a drug addiction. It could be a porn addiction. It could be an inclination of your heart to hate your brother and sister. There are things in your life that are powerful and strong and want to draw you away from God's goodness and distract you from the beauty of God by screaming and being chaotic. That is Jezebel. And so what are we learning in this story? There is a way to defeat the Jezebel in your life. There's a way in which we can have more power, but it's not in the way that you want it. 
That's a tough thing. It's often not in the way that you want to receive or be able to face the Jezebel. Now, if Jezebel represents all that wickedness, Elijah, we're going to be trying to walk through those shoes of Elijah. And one thing we notice that Elijah says, right, I have had enough, right? That's his words. I've had enough, God. And if you're honest with yourself, there are so many times in your life, going along with my first point, you say, I don't got this anymore. When I don't got this anymore, right? Like, there's times where we look at God, and I know that's not proper English, but we just say that, right? That's just our phrase. When things are broken and messed up, our phrase is, I don't got this anymore. I, I can't defeat the Jezebel. I can't overcome these chains. I've never been able to get anything done. I killed 900 prophets. We're still back at the beginning. Like, I just, I can't handle this, right? Like, like we're still where we started. The people of Israel are still lost. They're still worshiping wrong gods. I'm still being threatened, right? I don't got this anymore. And that's where Elijah is. And I want you to know that's a good spot to be. I'll bet you weren't expecting that. It's a really good spot to be in a position where you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I, I can't do this. You see, there's two perspectives we can look at the story from. The perspective of Jezebel, the one who is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy Elijah's life. What is she saying to Elijah? I'm going to kill you. So what is Elijah's response? Oh, I'm getting out of here, right? Like he's gone. He's like, I'm fleeing. I'm scared. I don't want to die, right? To Jezebel, you know what that is? She thinks she's having victory and she's winning. She thinks she's chasing Elijah away from, from, from herself and having victory. But you know what she's really doing? I love this. She is chasing Elijah straight into the arms of God. And I want you to know, God allows Jezebel into your life, not to hurt you, not for the purpose of breaking you, but for the purpose of humbling you. You see where Elijah, he's facing Jezebel, Jezebel's purpose is to break him. God's purpose in this story is to humble Elijah. Why? Because in humility, what do we do in humility? We admit that we need something stronger than ourselves to defeat what's before us. And so Elijah, right, he can't defeat Jezebel. Jezebel's attacking him and he's retreating where Jezebel thinks she's winning. She's really just killing herself because she's sending Elijah exactly where he should have been all along. In the arms of God, in the closeness of God. But Elijah doesn't feel that in this moment, right? And that's what I always say, right? Like, like, like Jezebel, she will want you to feel like you've had enough. And I want you to know there will be so many moments in your life where these things will break you where they want you to feel like you're worthless, you're stupid, you're weak, you're powerless, you're insignificant, you too, you're too dirty, you're too gross. You can go down a list of anything it is that's a chain that holds you from getting close to God. She wants that. Why? Because when you are one cord and you're single and you're lonely, you know what the enemy can easily do to you? Chop you off. Right? That's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to be in retreat. But see, if you just see it as retreat, the enemy's going to win. But if you see it as God sees it, that he has a powerful purpose and plan for your life, you're gonna know and see that God is leading you to the more powerful place, and that is the closeness of God. And so I can tell you in my life, like I remember when about six years ago, I was serving at a church and I really thought I was going, I was an interim youth pastor there. I really thought I was going to become the youth pastor at the church. Like it was just one of those things where like, I felt like God was telling me that's what's going to happen. That's a plan. That's a mountaintop experience I'm running towards. And God had been doing incredible things during my time in that ministry. We were seeing students saved. The student ministry grew significantly during the time I was there. But at the end of the road, Bam, didn't get the job. 
And here I am like Elijah going, what was the point? All that energy, all that focus, like I'm just back to where I was. It's like I'm insignificant and don't have a purpose. And I'll tell you what was going on in my life. I wasn't listening to God because if I was listening to God, the enemy was winning. If I wasn't, which I wasn't at the time, the enemy was winning in my heart. Why? Because I just only saw brokenness. What God was seeing was he was humbling me for a purpose because I was able in my brokenness to go to God and begin to listen to his plan for my life. And what did happen the next day? Boom. He answered the prayers and he showed me that I was called to go to a foreign mission field. So I went and spent a year in Mongolia with my friends to the point to where finally we're serving in mountaintop experiences. All this incredible stuff is going on. And then I got to the point to where I was paying attention to the incredible stuff. I was paying attention to the fire coming down on the altars. I forgot to continue to listen to God. So what happened? I wasn't listening to God. God shut the doors of Mongolia. I was arrested and deported. I came home feeling broken and lost and insignificant. So I'm sitting back in Knoxville and I'm like, I don't get what's going on. I thought I was doing what God called me to do. We were seeing all this great stuff. Well, I had stopped listening to God and it hit me. I had read this story and I was like, man, I need to get back to being close to God because I know he's got a plan and purpose for my life. And when I did that, you know what happened the very next day? I had lunch with Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson then called Joel Dew. Joel Dew then called me and I ended up becoming a pastor here. And I'm now here five years later uh, sharing the word of God to you. That's all because I listened to a whisper of God in my life. And I'm here to tell you, The same thing can change in your life. If you will begin to know that you shouldn't be in retreat, what you should be in is humility. Now, I can tell you what retreat looks like, right? Retreat looks like you don't share the gospel to your friends. Why? Because you don't think it works. Elijah thinks it's not working anymore, right? I'm just giving up. I'm done. Why? Because he doesn't think it's having impact, So retreat for us looks like we don't share the gospel and we don't listen to God calling us and putting that inclination and conviction in our heart to say like that person's lost and I know he's lost and I know that I have the good news to give to him. But you see, retreat looks like someone who's scared to share because they don't think it's gonna work. But retreat also looks like you don't just give up in your words, you give up in your actions. Instead of being kind to others and helping and holding doors and the simple things of life, you give up, why? Because you just don't think it works anymore. And the sad truth is, you know what retreat looks like in our worship? It looks like people who can't sing to God because they don't think it has an impact. I want you to know that God wants you to sing a joyous song, not because he commands you and demands you to do it, but because you love to do it because he first loved you. But this is all the difference between those who are looking for the fire and the wind and the earthquake to fall in an experience rather than following the closeness of God in your life. And that's what happened to Elijah. He was following those big mountaintop experiences. And I, and I tell people, right, it's like, it's like the Hot Wheels track of faith, right? When I say a Hot Wheels track, if you have kids, if you play with kids, you know, you put the car in a Hot Wheels track, right? And you get up to the little engine or motor that's in there. And what happens? That car just goes, right? Shoots off really fast, comes around, gets around to the last corner. Then what happens? Slows down. Starts slowing down even more and more and more. And then what happens again? Oh, it hits that experience again, hits that motor, shoots it off and goes all the way around. And if you are honest with yourself, this is your faith, right? We had worship on a hill a couple years ago. And guess what? So many people were on fire and shooting off for the God's glory. But then next thing you know, they were running so fast. And now here they are walking. 
And it's like, oh, what's going on? You know what it was? It's us living by the mountaintop experience, and we seek that more than we seek the closeness of God. You see, if we listen to what is being shared in this story, everything can change about you, and every single moment of every single day will be a mountaintop experience. If you will understand how close God has been to you all along and why you are in retreat, right? Why God has allowed Jezebel to come into your life is not because he wants you to be broken for fun. It's because he wants to point you towards his love. And how do I know this? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, right? This is Paul like, listen, to keep me from becoming conceited, I've done some cool stuff. I've seen some cool stuff. And so what's the response? A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. And I think we can all admit that Jezebel in Elijah's life is a messenger of Satan, a thorn of the flesh, right? And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, I love this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, God wants us to be broken, not so that he can take pride in doing that, but so that we can see we are weak and that we can see our need for God's grace. And in God's grace coming into our life, we can live by something more powerful and more glorious. You see, the story of Elijah is not about defeating Jezebel. The story about Elijah is showing us our need for God. Right, we think that like the David and Goliath story, it's about defeating Goliath. No, it's about our zealousy for God. It's about loving God. What defeated Goliath wasn't that, that David could do or he had the ability to. What defeated Goliath was that David loved God. And he was close to God. He was in a relationship with God. And for us, this can change if we learn to do the same. Instead of looking for these mountaintop experiences, if we can learn to get close to God. So, so, so I want you to know, right, Elijah's sitting there wishing his life could be done. He's got this thorn of his flesh. He's saying he's worthless and pointless anymore. And that's why my second point is God is not done with you. It doesn't matter how broken and messed up your life is. It doesn't matter how dark of a valley you are in. I want you to know so long as you have breath in your lungs, you have a heartbeat, you have a brain, like God is not done with you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But the truth is, it only will depend on whether or not you're going to listen to that plan or not. You see, look what happens here, right? Verse five, and then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and he said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. You see, it's funny that God admits like this journey is too much for you. You can't handle this journey on your own. Like God's even telling it to him here right now. He's like, it's too much for you. But so what is God doing? He's giving them food and he's giving them drink because God wasn't done with him yet. God is not done with you yet. Why? Because you have clothes on your back. You have food in your belly. You have water. He is not done. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He's got, he's strengthening you for something. So he's strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. I hope you see what's going on here. God asked him, Elijah, why have you traveled 40 days and 40 nights to come out here? And in that question, God is trying to point him in the right direction. But what is Elijah's response? God, look what I've done. I've done this. I've done that. I've killed these people, I've done all this, and guess what, it's been worthless, and now it's all back to the same. Was that, God's, was that an answer to God's question? No. What is Elijah doing? He's just saying everything he's done, but God's question is, why are you on this mountain? And Elijah's sitting there just making excuses. I can't handle this anymore, God. Like, and he, he could see where Elijah doesn't really know why he's on the mountain yet. Yet, like he's just like, I've been zealous, we know, like, and I know for you and I, there's moments when I was most broken and lost and like when I was arrested and deported from Mongolia, yeah, I felt like I was like, I don't even know why I'm in retreat. Like, I don't know why I'm here, what I'm doing, right? Like, I don't know what's supposed to happen with my life. And it hit me, right? When God is asking Elijah, why is he here? God was trying to show him that Elijah was there for a purpose and that was to get close to God. Because the whole story is not about defeating Jezebel. The whole story is about drawing Elijah into that relationship with God and being close because God did have a plan and purpose, but Elijah could not fulfill the plan and purpose of God until what? He got close to God. For many of us, God has a plan and purpose for your life. And I want you to know something. You'll never be able to fulfill it until when? You get close to God. Now, this is what's so cool, right? Like, I don't blame Elijah for feeling like he does. Like, when I first read the story, I was like, man, like, Elijah, like, come on. Like, you got to see Mount Carmel. But the truth is, when you and I live on a Hot Wheels track, that's us. We're living by experience experience, and we're just running by that. And so then, finally, when everything just keeps going in that same Hot Wheels experience cycle where it's like, incredible things, brokenness, 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 Jezebel, Jezebel, Incredible experience, brokenness, 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 Jezebel. You know, like it just continues in this cycle, right? And, and, and the truth is, when we look at Jezebels in our life, like I did, I did something with our students, right? I, I, I created so they could see a real life-size Goliath. And if you don't know how tall he was, he was about nine feet, nine inches. And I created this, right? And the approximate height of that, because I built him and we, had him, we have him around the corner, but that's about this tall right here, right? That's a big dude, all right? And the average male of David's time, it's about 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. They weren't tall dudes, right? And so Goliath being nine feet, nine inches, do you think David could have ever defeated a Goliath? On his own? No. David would have never been able to defeat Goliath. You know what can defeat Goliath? Your love for God. You know what David stood up? against? He stood up against someone who was cursing his God. Why did David go in response and go and attack? Because he loved God so much. Why? Because God loved him so much. Do you see how this works? You see, if you know that God loves you and he's a plan and a purpose for your life, you can stand up against anything knowing that God is there with you, that God will defeat the enemies of God. And, and the truth is, some of us need a Jezebel and a Goliath to do what? To break us down so that we can see we were never able to defeat Goliath on our own, but that we could see that God could do it all along. But God is waiting for us to do something. And this is what I love, right? Verse 11, the Lord said to Elijah, 
Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time God's asked this question. Why? Because the first time Elijah missed it. And guess what's happening here? I think Elijah misses it again. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Right? Like, like my final point is listen, God whispers. But here's the cool thing about it, right? When, and I'm a very visual learner. And this is why I love this passage so much. God shows up, and he, there's wind, right? And it says, what about the wind? God is not in the wind. Now, this wind is not just a typical wind. This is a powerful wind, right? How many of you have ever experienced a tornado? There's a couple in here. Marie, my wife, she, when she was a little, little girl, um, she was sleeping one night, and a tornado passed over her house, ripped the roof and the ceiling above her off, and uh, she was in the, they were in the middle of the tornado, and she got to witness the power and the strength, right? And if you've ever been in a very windy area, right, you know that, like, wind can actually be powerful, right? I mean, I remember, like, the, the learned the forces of nature and stuff, like, like the first time I went to the ocean, I, I began to learn how powerful the ocean can actually be. When you go and stand before a wave that's like 10 feet tall and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I'm okay. When the wave comes crashing down on you, you learn that nature can be powerful. Wind can be powerful in God's hands. And God can use wind to destroy mountains. He proves it right here, right? Like he's not in the wind, but what's the wind doing? It's so strong. It's like, and that wind is blowing up the mountain. It says the rocks are falling apart but God's not in the wind. And next thing we see is an earthquake. How many of you experienced the earthquakes we had just recently? Like I, I woke up to the one that was in the middle of the night and then there was that one that was during the day. I felt both of them. And I was so excited about it because it actually helps me understand like the earthquake part of the story. There was that big rumbling of the mountain, but guess what? God wasn't in the rumbling. You know what God could have done? He could have had a wind and an earthquake to, to break down the castle of Jezebel and kill her in that moment. Right? But God isn't doing that. And then, and then you have fire, right? And you know, we've seen God show up in fire and brimstone, rain fire down on the altar of the prophets of Baal. And that's what Elijah, you know Elijah wanted God to show up in wind, earthquake, and fire to destroy Jezebel. But does God do that? No. Instead, what does it say? God is not in those. And Elijah was missing it. That's what God wanted of God. He wanted the things and experiences and the mountaintop experiences, but he was missing the most important thing all along. God was in the whisper. Now, I love that. You want to know why? Because, because to hear a whisper, here's some things that have to happen. One the one who whispers has got to be close to you. And so God is showing Elijah that I've been a whisper away all this time. You've been expecting me to show up in wind and fire and earthquake. I want you to know something. I've not been in those. I can make those happen. But where I've been is in the gentle 
silent whisper. None of you knew what I just said. Why? Because I whispered it. You're not close enough to hear the whisper. You're not close enough to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth when I whisper. God is just a whisper away from Elijah all along. He had a plan and a purpose, but Elijah was so distracted by the Jezebel who was like, I want to kill you. It's funny how Jezebels in your life, you know what they do? They just scream and scream and scream. And when you're not paying attention, do you know what they do? They scream louder. I always think of it as like, like that kid in the checkout aisle who really wants that candy bar. And the mom's like, no, you can't have that candy bar. What's the kid do? gets on the ground and starts screaming and making a scene. That's what Jezebel does because why do they make a scene? Because they want your attention. Because they know if they can draw your attention away from what's really most important, they can destroy you, right? They can get what they want. That's what Jezebel will do in your life as she will scream and scream and scream and scream and curse and, and cause chaos. But you know what's the most important thing, the most powerful thing? It's not the chaos. It's not God destroying the Jezebel because that wasn't happening to Elijah right here. God didn't destroy Jezebel, he destroyed an altar. But what was the most important thing was that God was just a whisper away from Elijah all along. I want you to know no matter where you are at in life, whatever you are going through, no matter what your Jezebel is, you can walk out of here a changed person. How? By just listening to God. God has been there with you all along. He's been whispering you and calling you and drawing you by the word of life, the word of life that gives you strength and hope and peace, the word of life that is his love that he gives, the love that was in David that defeated Goliath. You can defeat Jezebel and Goliath. How? Not by doing something by listening, listening to the word of God. And Elijah is here, God is whispering to him. He's listening, he's, he's whispering to him. He's showing his love for him, right? God could have commanded and demanded Elijah to do all this stuff, right? That's what Elijah was doing previously. Many of us Christians, we fall in this routine where we follow commands and demands. You and I, we love to follow commands and demands because we think we're earning something or we're making something happen. Elijah was following commands and demands and he thought he was making something happening. But the truth is, the truth is, that wasn't the important thing. God does not want your sacrifices. He wants your broken and contrite heart. And sometimes Jezebel will come into your life. You'll be broken and pushed down so that God can show you and humble you and see your need for him. That is what's so powerful and cool about this story. And I love this, right? Because it goes on in verse 15. The Lord said to him, right? This is after the whisper and all that stuff. He said to him, go back the way you came. And I'm telling you, if you have a Jezebel in your life and you're trying to run for it, I want you to run towards it. Why? Not to defeat it, but to show that God is more powerful than it. Because in your weakness, God's grace is shown, right? In your weakness, God can show his power in your life. The question is, are you going to humble yourselves and allow the word of God to come through your life and work into the lives of others. Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, the king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. This is my favorite part. Yet... I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to bow and whose mouths have not kissed him. 
What's the coolest thing about the story is Elijah was broken and he was lost and he felt alone. He felt like God was done with him and his life was pointless at this point, to the point to where he was like, I wish I would die. And I know this is what the enemy wants you to feel. I'm so lost and broken and I cannot defeat this Jezebel anymore, but that's a good place to be. Do not be ashamed about being broken. Being broken is good, why? Because you see your need for a healer, you see your need for an everlasting water, you see your need for God's grace. And it's that grace, the word of God, the silent whisper that has the dunamai power that can do what? It can destroy any fortitude, any stronghold that tries to hold you captive. It's all up to you. I can't make you listen to God. I can't tell you to stop paying attention to the chaos in this world or looking for experience. But what I can tell you is that if you will begin to retreat into a place where you can listen to the whisper of God, I know that God will work through your life. He will tell you what I've been telling you this whole time. God is not done with you. He is strengthening you. He has a power and a purpose for your life if you will just listen to him. And what's this all leading up to? Let me tell you something, five weeks away, Five weeks away, we have Easter, right? And here's the truth, right? Like there are so many people in this city who God has held up for you, right? Right here, yeah, I reserve 7,000 in Israel. There are thousands of men and women here in Knoxville that are held up for us, right? For what? What are they waiting for? What are these people waiting for? They're waiting for you to listen to God's whisper. Because in that moment, you'll realize God has been calling you all along to do what? To walk in obedience. Not because you are obedient to receive God's glory and grace, but because God has already revealed his glory and grace through the love that he's given you in the whisper. God loves you. And he wants you to share that love to all these other people around you. But he can't work through you until when? I always tell this to our students. It's as simple as this. You can't share the word of God if the word of God is not in your life. You can't share God's love if God's love is not in your life. How do we receive those things? It begins as this. You listen to the whisper. And I know some of you in here today, there's two people, right? There are those who are saved and there are those who aren't. The ones who are saved, I want you to know that God has given you a whisper. He's drawing you. He's calling you. He's putting you in a direction. He's giving you power and a strength for a purpose. If you will begin to listen, there are people who need the gospel and God has strengthened you and given you the word to give to them to receive the gospel. And that's a big task, but we have a big God. There's another person in here who's never actually began to listen to God. And I know God is convicting your heart. He's put a whisper in your heart. You can feel it. It's like this, this conviction that squeezes you and knowing that there's something you should be doing, where you should be going, that something should be happening. And you've never responded because you're too ashamed or you're too scared or you think you're too lost or broken exactly where Jezebel wants you. But I want you to know that God has let you get there for a reason so that you can see in your weakness, his power and his strength. And if that's you today, man, I'm going to be standing down on the side and I would love to pray with you and help you learn how you can begin to listen to God speak into your life, how you can receive the love of God for the first time ever. Because I promise you, if you can begin to listen to God, hear me, if you can listen to God, your life will never be the same and you will never look back 
because you'll, you'll be living exactly where God wants you. There's no greater joy than to be where God wants you. And that's in his closeness. That's in the stillness of his voice. God, we love you. And we're so thankful that, that you could command and demand us to do things and be obedient, God. But it's a broken and contrite heart that you desire of us, God. Meaning we could do these things in obedience, but that's not what your desire is. Your desire is our love. You loved us so that we could love you. God, I pray that we can, we can see that and we can see our need for that. That instead of trying and trying and trying and being like Elijah, getting to the point where it's like, God, the experiences have stopped. I feel like nothing has changed and I'm broken and lost. To get to the position to know that you have had a purpose for all life and it was just simply to fall on our knees and cry out to your help, to cry out to your love and your grace, God. That's why I love the story of Elijah. You weren't in the wind. You can cause wind to destroy things. You weren't in the earthquake, in the fire. You can use those to destroy Jezebel. Instead, you had a plan all along to drive us into your arms so that you could show that in our weakness, your grace is sufficient. In our weakness, you can be more powerful than we were ever. And your glory will be revealed to the ends of the earth, God. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray.